Hi, this is Carrie. And this is Sandy. And this is Crime Bitches Countdown. What do crime novels, tricky doors, and floppy disks all have in common? The answer is this week's topic, Stupid Ways Criminals Got Caught. Alright, so today I'm going to start by telling you about this guy named Christian Bala or Bala. I'm not 100% sure how you say his name. It's B-A-L-A. Mm. We could go exotic, you know, exotic. Oh. Alright, but he's from Poland. Uh, he published a novel. He was an author. He published this novel called Amok in 2003. Like, Amok, Amok, Amok. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> hocus Pocus <laughs> reference. Come on. Oh my God, that's terrible. I don't know that. I'm a little disappointed. I'm in disappointed you. actually as well. Oh okay, my god, continue because I can't handle the disappointment. <laughs> so, the uh, book talks about the torture and the murder of a young woman whose hands are bound behind her back with a cord that is then looped to form a noose around her neck. And Dang. this is important. Okay, like this is a very important detail. So, the book didn't do great, and apparently in Poland, and I don't know if this is still true. In Poland. If, if back in 2003 they were very conservative so you couldn't really publish things that were seen to be scandalous and some of the things he talked about in here was like torture and sexual torture and things like that yeah so it didn't so. sell well interesting so there's that okay so i'm that, surprised that, it got sold at all if that's the case yeah i think it was like in those like off off-brand bookstore type back alley type deals you know <laughs> he published it himself at king ghost he probably did. <laughs> just, Poland even had a Kinko's? We don't, don't have Kinko's no, anymore. No, we don't, do we? Oh my god, I forgot. So he probably it. just printed it out and stuck it on bookshelves. Maybe he did. Alright, so I'm going to tell you about this guy. His name is Darius Januszewski. He was mm. found in the river four weeks after he went missing in the year 2000. He had a similar binding to what was described in the book with the his hands bound behind his back with the loop. So was this... Was he found before or after the book was published? Before. It was three years before. Okay. Okay, uh, that's not... That doesn't bode well for this dude. No, no, it doesn't. So, the coroner said that the cause of death was drowning, which means he basically tied him up and threw him in the water. Yeah, and, couldn't. Which is awful. It's just so awful. That day, he had been supposed to meet a client. Someone had called in saying that they wanted to talk to him about printing posters. I don't 100%, maybe it was Kinko's, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not actually sure what the business fully did, but obviously something around that. Called in, said he wanted to do it, but he wanted to speak specifically to Darius. So Darius called him back, made an appointment, no one ever got his name, the end. Darius goes missing. So a couple years later, about three years later, a new detective comes in. Uh, his name was Detective Robleski. He started looking at the case, and he started looking at the phone calls, because, you know, they really didn't have a lot of ways to trace this. Mm-hmm. So they were looking at the phone calls, the phone records, to see if they can figure out where the calls came from, who it was. Well, the calls came from a payphone. Not really helpful. No. However, the victim had a cell phone who he, mm-hmm. where he made the calls from. Ah. So the detective was like, hey, I wonder... Some people keep the boxes for their cell phone because it has your serial number. Mm-hmm. So he went to the widow. He said, do you still have it? And she said, yeah, I do. So he looked up the serial number. Well, he wanted to see if anyone had possibly sold the phone because they never found it. Interesting. And he happened to find it on a website that is sort of like a Polish eBay. Okay. Where you can sell things. 
and it was called Allegro, and it was sold four days after Darius disappeared. Hmm. So now you have to figure out, well, who sold it? Right. So you do some sleuthing, you find out that the seller's name is Chris B. Now, Christian spells his name with a K. Oh. But this was the Americanized Chris with a C-H. Hmm. Okay. But Very Chris clever. B, Chris B, nonetheless. Yeah. When he did some research on that username, he found out it did belong to Christian Bell. Um, so, he found out about this book amok, and he was like, I, just something, I guess, was telling him something's not right. Like, he read the synopsis of it and was like, I need to dig a little further into this. So, he actually assigned it to all of his detectives. And <laughs> That's clever. And made them all read a chapter and report back, like, things that they thought might be similar or fishy. Suspicious, yeah. So, here's a couple things. The main character's name was Chris. Hmm. They both, the author and the character, were separated, drank too much, and had minor brushes with the law. Now, I gotta tell you the minor brush with the law because it is on point. In the book, Chris and his friends steal an idol of St. Anthony from a church. That's very they're, specific. They're completely wasted and they think this is hilarious. Of course. Well, guess what? Christian did too. The exact same thing and was arrested. So, how many people are going to steal St. Anthony from the church? I, I just... Yeah, maybe authors shouldn't take so much from their own life and maybe make it not so exact. Just saying. Yeah, I would think so. In the book, another thing was that Chris, the character, sells uh, the knife that he used to kill the woman on an internet auction site like eBay. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't sell the murder weapon, but he sold the phone. That's pretty much you might as well have. So after he got arrested, you know, he was an author. So he reached out to all these different people and a lot of uh, literary people or groups. And he was like, look, they arrested me. They're coming after me. And it's only because I wrote a blasphemous novel because in Poland it was so conservative. Yeah. A lot of people took his side and they thought he was really being persecuted. Um, sad for them. He was released due to a lack of evidence, unfortunately. Wow. But What was his excuse for having the victim's cell phone? He found it on the street. <laughs> and sold it. it it's not out it, of the realm it's of not. possibility. Actually, that's probably the smartest thing he did in all that. Unfortunately, technology is amazing. It is. And so the department telecom, uh, telecom's tech guy, or girl, I'm not sure, Found calls on the payphone were made using a prepaid card, so that was super dumb. And when they looked at the history of the card, because you can't see who bought it, unless... You go you back know. to... But you can't see who bought it necessarily, but they looked at the history of the calls, and it showed all the calls were made to his Bella's friends, his business partners, his family, his <laughs> wife. So that's not a little suspicious at all. No, not at all. The last line of Amok was, this was the one killed by blind jealousy. Now, that's important, too, because his ex-wife wouldn't cooperate at first. She wanted no parts of it. Um, and detectives kept digging and digging, and they found out that the ex-wife and the victim had met at a, an event. And just exchanged numbers, decided to go on a date. They went on the date. They got a hotel room. But she found out he was married. I, I don't know if anything happened. And she was like, I'm not doing this. Wait, so she left. she's married, too? No, they were separated. Oh, okay. They were separated, all right. Um, Bala found out about it, and he got kind of pissed. 
So jealous, perhaps? Ah, no. <laughs> uh, a few weeks later, after they had gone out, he showed up to her house completely drunk and screaming that he knew about it, and um, because he had hired a PI, and he even told her the room number that she had got at the hotel. So when detectives kind of were talking to her about this, she kind of changed her tune a little bit mm-hmm. and decided maybe it is true. Yeah. So he got found guilty after that and sentenced to twenty five years. Oh. So that's Christian. Bella. Like, I can't believe... Okay, first of all, if you're gonna murder someone that you used as a plot for a story, you might want to do that, like, after it's published. Then at least you can claim copycat. But you can't do it after it's published. How are you gonna know exactly what happens? Because somebody... (laughs) Because somebody... Well, that's true. You have no plot. Oh, that was dumb. I'm sorry. You can't describe everything you did. Like... How stupid but, of me. But if you're going to use things that you literally did, maybe not use all of the things you literally did, especially very specific things you yes. literally did. Maybe change it up a little maybe bit. You like stole a bottle of soda from a convenience store. That would be exactly. better. Exactly. Like, uh, uh, St. Anthony becomes a bottle of soda. Church becomes store. You know, these are very easy substitutions you could make that doesn't incriminate yourself. I also think, you know, and maybe it's me, but I wouldn't use the same name for the character. I understand of it's spelled not. different, but it, that's, that would that's be George so G. trivial. Yeah, like, I would come up with him a John Smith. Right, Like, exactly. the most banal name you can think of. I mean, he did make it a woman instead of a man, so I guess he figured that was enough. So I have to, I have to question this man's creativity in the first place. Like, should you really be a writer? Maybe you shouldn't be a writer. Well, here's the thing. Because that doesn't seem like your thing. After he went to jail, he tried to write another book, and it's been years, and he still hasn't gotten anywhere with that, so. Yeah, because he hasn't murdered anybody. Yeah, right. And he used all his own (laughs) shit already. Right. Right. Wow. Maybe if he had not gotten arrested, and he could have killed somebody else. Then he'd have a second book. Best-selling book. (laughs) But his first book didn't do so great, so who's to say his next one would have been fantastic? Anywho, then we wouldn't have anything for a podcast. So thank you, Christian Bela, for your idiocy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to tell you about this guy named Douglas Kelly, and this just makes me giggle. Um, Some of these are really short, by the way. I'm just going to tell you that. But Douglas Kelly, he was 49 years old, and he called police in Putnam County, Florida, because, of course, he's a Florida man, <laughs> to report that he had a really bad reaction to some meth he bought. And so he wanted to um, have the police test it to see if it was he was scammed, and if so, he wanted to sue the drug dealer. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So he calls the police to report his illegal drugs may have been tampered with. He's having a bad reaction. Let's not go to the hospital... For the bad reaction, okay. let's get the police involved and test my meth. Can I tell you one of my favorite parts? One of the parts of his bad reaction was a racing heart. I'm sorry, you're on amphetamine. Exactly. <laughs> amphetamine. What did you think was going to happen? Oh, God, if I you can't. don't have that expectation to start with, then maybe you shouldn't be doing the drug. Imagine the person that took the call, though. Oh, I wish, I wish I could have been that cop. So they were like, yeah, sure, bring it in. <laughs> I mean, because what are you going to do, right? Okay. So he brought in this clear crystal-like substance wrapped up in some foil. And, Please uh, tell me it was like that rock candy that you buy at the beach. It tested positive for meth. It was meth. He's oh, just yeah. fucking nuts. 
Um, so of course he got arrested because <laughs> he had just meth. brought meth to the police. Like, here, test my meth. Um, <laughs> so, you know, some officers like to have a little bit of a sense of humor. So they went on to Facebook because that's what you do. Yeah. And they posted this. If you believe you were sold bad drugs, we are offering a free service to test them for you. Remember, our detectives are always ready to assist anyone who believes they were misled in their illegal drug purchase. No. No. People <laughs> responded. I don't know. If, I don't know. I couldn't find anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I'm sure people respond. Like, honestly, for the cops, this is great because they've just found a new method of finding illegal drug users. Which, and if, if there's at least one drug user that's going, hey, test my meth for me, then you know there's got to be more out there. It begs so many questions. One of which is, uh, you know, first of all, was he, was he high when he had this conversation? Or did he, I, I finger quotes, rationally sort this one out? Or, um, <laughs> um, I don't think there's any <laughs> rationale to it. Was he so focused on the fact that he was scammed that he forgot drugs were illegal? My guess is that. My guess is he was probably high, having this reaction, and then so pissed off that he could have gotten scammed. Like, he's now trying to figure out how to get the man, the man being the drug dealer, not like the actual man who's going to arrest him when they call them about it. And all logic went out the window, because I'm sure in his mind, this is not a problem. This is this is what I'm doing, and it, there's nothing illegal about this. You know, yeah. and I just need to figure, I wonder if they ever told him if there was anything other than meth in his drugs. Well, it tested positive for meth, so they told him it was meth. I mean... Yeah, but he was seeing if there was something, it was laced with something other than meth that was giving him this reaction. Oh, no, no, I don't think that's it. I think he really thought it was something besides meth, because... Oh, so he thinks the drug dealer totally scammed yes. him and gave yep, him, Gave like... him something else entirely. Um, and he, because he said he'd never had a reaction like that before. So now you just dug that hole a little deeper and told him that you're a crime so, drug user. So not only are you now pissed at this drug dealer for potentially giving you bad drugs, to which then you get arrested and you find out were drugs, now you're questioning every other drug dealer that you got meth from. Oh my God, maybe everybody else scammed me. How do I get those people? Maybe this is the first time I got the real mess. <laughs> maybe the other stuff was fake. Oh my God. Shit. I didn't even think about that, but that's funny. But in, the, and in that case, like, okay, so the reactions before, do you think, let's just say, for instance, that they were giving him bad drugs and they weren't actually giving him meth. Do you think it was a psychosomatic reaction that would, you know... He'd be like, oh, this is so great. This is the best high ever. Really? He was just, you know, drinking salt water or something stupid. The placebo effect is a very real thing. It is. So. So I'm just kind of curious what, if this is what he does on actual meth, <laughs> what does he do when he thinks he's on <laughs> meth? I don't know. But isn't actually on meth. There are some times, man, I wish I could just watch people from afar and just kind of observe and go, I, I just... I think real people are more entertaining than TV sometimes. I would agree. I would agree. Like, like you can't I make this shit up. I did an experiment in college, and it was a dumb experiment, okay? But we were actually seeing how many people waited for the light to cross the street. It was at college, so you were, yeah. you know, whatever. And, and plus, we'd had somebody get hit by a car going across there, oh. so it was like a whole big thing. And just sitting there for like an hour and just watching people is hilarious. The, <laughs> the amount of things you see and like you'll pick up on... It's crazy. It's actually very interesting. Yeah, I love 
people watching. I wish it were legal just to tape people and put that on TV because I really think that would have you so watched better. YouTube? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try not to. I stay away from you. YouTube actually should because it's hilarious and the news because I find both quite jaded. The news is pretty. There's nothing good on the news. No. <laughs> I want I would agree. somebody creates a happy news channel where the only stories they, they play and they show are happy, feel good stories because I could really use that in my life. Just 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 putting it out there. There are YouTube channels that do very positive things. I want it on there's, TV. But there's there's a YouTube channel that does all positive mood boosts with animals. Okay, I need to find that YouTube it's channel. So cool. I love it. I watch it too much. <laughs> Next story. All right, so I'm going to tell you about this guy. And, and this one isn't, I don't know if it's really stupid so much as, well, I, I think it's stupid. Let me put it that way. Technology is amazing. That's it is. all I'm going to say. All right, so this guy named Christopher Neal, total fucking dirtbag. Scum of the earth. Hope he dies. Please tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of this case. Uh, he went by, they gave him some nicknames. It was Mr. Swirl or Swirl Face. <gasps> was he the ice cream dude? No. Damn. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, and now I'm curious. Okay, maybe I just made that up in my head. <laughs> no. So, he was Canadian. That explains it. And he was a convicted child molester. So. <laughs> Nothing this, against Canadians, by the way. This is going back to some things that really bother me. So, in a previous episode, we were talking about uh, someone who uh, failed their tests and couldn't be a good cop and all that. So, and yet they still I won. read this and I was like, oh my god, does this happen a lot? Because this motherfucker tried to be a priest but failed. Priest! So he became a teacher. Way better alternative. If I can't give my life to God, then I'll give it to children? Well, he kind of failed at that, too. So, yeah, he did what anybody else would do. He went overseas to teach English as a second language. Um, cool. He appeared in uh, 200, is it 200? Yeah, 200 plus photographs that depicted child sexual abuse. Now, he was in them, but he had his face obscured by a swirl. Oh, so, God. it's an effect, right, that you can do on your mm -hmm. computer. Well... I'm sure they can reverse that shit. If you're savvy. Yay! Then you'll find out that you can unswirl. So, I would think that if you can take a picture and alter it in some way, that there is something out there that allows you to unalter it. Um, and this became international. I mean, this was an international issue. Interpol was involved and everything like that. Um, they put out a manhunt. It was known as Operation Vico. I don't know why. I love um, how they come up with names. At the time, he was working as an English teacher in South Korea, but once he got, once this all happened, okay, let me go backwards. So, they sent this out to, like, Nationwide, and they were like, help us figure out who this guy is. So, some German computer experts at the Federal Criminal Police Office were able to unswirl the image. Well, now, this, and, and if you look at this image, it's very clear. I mean, there's a little bit of blurriness to mm -hmm. it, but not really. I mean, it, it looks like a straight-up picture of this guy. So... He left, um, they put it out on the news everywhere. He obviously knew it was there, so he fled to Thailand. Uh, he got arrested in 2007. He was sentenced to 39 months in prison, which is not nearly enough. Nope. And a $1,780 fine. Also not enough. His original sentence was six years, but it got cut in half once he confessed, which I don't understand. Um, he spent five years in jail in Thailand, 
and returned to Canada in September 2012. And when he got there, he was arrested. Uh, in Canada, apparently, they have something called the Criminal Code, mm-hmm. which allows Canadian authorities to investigate and prosecute certain offenses, including like child sexual abuse, that are committed by Canadians in other countries. Oh, so cool. even though you got prosecuted there, they could still go after you. Well, he went to jail in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Did he ever get convicted in Korea? I didn't see anything about that, no. Okay. But once he got back to Canada, they arrested him. Um, for... I like Canada even more now. <laughs> Uh, they arrested him for something called uh, breach of recognizance, which I'm not 100% sure what that means. Um, but when they did arrest him, they found out he had child porn on his laptop and his cell phone. Wow. So he got three months jail plus three years of probation. Not enough. And then they charged him again. Um, and he got sentenced to, and I think it was like he got sentenced for more child porn. Okay. He got sentenced to five and a half years and it was reduced to 15 months. Uh, and those were from sex abuse charges in Cambodia. Wow. This dude was, like, all over. Yeah, and he is out now, unfortunately, as far as I know. Well, so. I like Canada. Um, I think everybody needs to have the law of your soiling, your, your, your defamating your nationality so we can charge you when you're in other countries. I really like that idea. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I I never heard that before. Because, I mean, I know that, like, you can try them if it was done in your country, but I didn't know that. And I thought that was kind of neat. And I just was happy that this motherfucker got caught. But here's the thing. If you decide to go in and mess with your images digitally, like, somebody out there is going to be smart enough to figure that shit out. That's what I mean. Like, anything you can do electronically on a computer there's some there's some way it had to be done so somebody's going to figure out how to undo it you know it's only a matter of time even if they don't know how to do it initially you know there's and right now in this day and age with the computers being what they are there's so much traceability everywhere like I can't say in front of you, I want a puppy playpen without the next time I go to Facebook or Google pulling up puppy playpens for sale. Thanks a lot, because we're on my phone. (laughs) Sure. You just, just means you need a puppy. (laughs) Don't even start with me, okay? Because I have access to puppies. Yeah, Um, I know. (laughs) All right. So part of my thing with this too, and and I'm not that I'm telling people what to do because I obviously have major issues with this whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. With the child porn thing. But one thing I don't understand, why the hell would you let your face be in the picture in the first place? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, if you're doing something illegal and you want to take a picture, which is dumb to begin with. Exactly. Don't put your face in it. Yeah. Make it at least hard. You know? Like, I don't understand that. I mean, you see it all the time. Like, you see posts on Facebook where people are, like, flashing guns or money mm-hmm. or... Like, and I've seen ones where they get arrested because they're on probation or parole or whatever and they have a gun and they can't. Don't be a dumbass. Why are you doing that? Well, at, not only that, okay, so did you see, not to get on a tangent, but I'm going to get on a tangent. Um, <laughs> there was a Netflix documentary series called Don't Fuck With Cats. Did you see that? Yes, yes I did. Okay, so th- for those of you that haven't seen it, it's it's infuriating, fascinating, and crazy all at the same time. So this dude who ends up being a murderer... Uh, it started with him doing things to, to small animals, kittens to be exact, um, hence why it's called Don't Fuck With Cats. And, and people took arms with that to eventually, obviously, him murdering people. But 
he posts things on the internet that people saw and it was it, it became this mass following of how to figure out who this guy was where he was to prosecute him for the things that he was doing and i remember like one thing like there was a vacuum cleaner in the video and they traced him down because that particular model of vacuum cleaner was only sold in one country so like everything and anything could be you know picked out as potential ways to identify you. So I think the moral of the story is, hey, how about you just don't do illegal shit? I agree. Because it's getting harder and harder and harder to get away with it. There's actually a category I would like to cover um, at some point, and it's like murders that were solved by the internet, because that, and that's actually one that would be on my list. Yeah. Um, the And I think the guy, if anybody cares, I think it was Luca Magnata was the guy yes. who was... Uh, that that was about and that was a really interesting documentary was um there is a website and i don't know and i'm sure there's multiple but the one i know the best is called web sleuths do you know this i don't web sleuths is actually a group of people who are interested in this kind of stuff and they solve all kinds of stuff they help identify jane and john does they help uh figure out i think there was like a hate crime in philly mm-hmm. and they identified within the same night the police couldn't even do it That's they identified awesome. who did it so these people are out there and they want to help and so now they have free access to so many things and the police will reach out mm-hmm. that's good maybe don't be a dumbass anymore yeah and i mean like the first guy with his book like obviously he really just incriminated himself by writing a book about what he did but if if nobody had read the book or if there was no way to identify if they hadn't first identified him and then read the book you wouldn't know about the book unless you had read it. Obviously, it didn't do very well in Poland, but there are people out there in the world that I'm sure did read the book and could have helped had they known, you know, had they been asked the right question type of thing. I do not have the time to play on Web Sleuths because I will spend the rest of my life on Web Sleuths. Yeah, um, now I might. I've been on it a couple times, and there's there's some fascinating stuff, and there's some really smart people. Um, there's definitely a lot of people who use their knowledge to help and it's it's very cool. So that is very cool. Next idiot, I mean criminal. All right, we're going to talk about this guy named James Allen. James Allen was 28 years old, and um, when your own lawyer describes you as bumbling and incompetent, <laughs> I think you have some problems. Yeah, probably not a good thing. So this idiot went into a place called Martin's News Agent, where he was wearing a balaclava and carrying a toy gun. And he tried to rob them. So he demanded money, and he got 134, uh, roughly 135 pounds. This was obviously overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and is only off. like 300 bucks. So he tries to run away, but he forgot how doors work. <laughs> he was pushing, even though there was a sign on the door that said, pull. Oh my god, he's me. Oh god. It, well... I have that problem all the time. Even when it's labeled, I don't read it. I just think whenever you're going out somewhere, you need to pull. And whenever you're going in, you need to push. And that makes no sense considering which way you're walking through the door. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I got nothing there. So, But that's not the only reason he's stupid. That's That's one. Okay. So he got really frustrated. So what do you do when you get mad? Break shit. No, you pull off your disguise. Right in front of the camera. Wow. No, that I wouldn't have thought about that one. Then he kicked a panel near the door, he smashed it, knocked over a display, and fell. 
<laughs> well, now, <laughs> the clerk kind of feels a little bad for him, I guess, so she has to go help him get out the door. <laughs> so she opened the door for him and got him to leave. Now, here's the other thing. Well, there's actually a lot of, this guy's so dumb, I can't even stand it. Okay, you fail as a criminal when your <laughs> victims have to help you. Uh, issue number five million. Mm-hmm. He was a regular customer and had robbed the same store ten days earlier. No, he was just casing the joint the first time. So, fully identifiable. Wow. Three hours later, this was reason number five million and two. Uh, three hours later, he got picked up on the same street where the robbery happened with the balaclava in his pocket. So wow. he didn't even, like, make a getaway, really. <laughs> I thought we learned from our first couple of episodes that when you are in trouble, you run. But apparently this guy, oh, he sticks around. Yeah, I I mean, you, you leave and you hide. That, like, that's impressive. So, no, you don't even get rid of identifying features. He said his problem was his fiance left him, like, three years ago, and he got into drugs, and he was desperate, blah, 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 who cares? And that... Uh, he owed all this money to the drug dealers, and they suggested he should rob the store to pay them back. So, you listen to drug dealers. You don't? Oh, my bad. Maybe that's what's <laughs> wrong with my life. So, he got sentenced to three years. Wow. But, yeah. I'm this... sorry, but I, I honestly think that's, that's uh, a suitable punishment. Because, like, again, you fail as a criminal when your victims have to help you. The fact that your lawyer went to court and said he's bumbling and incompetent is just, it's not a good thing. Yeah, wow. It's not a good look. Wow. I mean, just let, just let the drug dealers break your legs or your fingers or something. All right. We are going to talk about someone that I've brought up before, um, and I brought up how he got caught, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth. So we are going to talk about Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK. Oh, okay. All right. I have no idea what his real name was. Dennis Rader, and he looks like, uh, he does not look like, a, I don't know what a serial killer looks like, but he definitely does not look like one. Do you <laughs> know what BTK all... stands for? No. Find, torture, kill. That is how he, uh, would kill his victims. Got it. So. And, and what exactly do, do serial killers look like? Because apparently you have a, an idea in your head about what they're supposed to look like. Yeah, I don't know, because I mean, think about it, right? Like, some of them look all crappy and cracked out, and then you have ones who are good-looking and charming, and so, no, there's no real, real idea, but this guy looked like, to me, he looks like a teacher. Like, he looks like, you know, just a ordinary guy, normal life, and he really was, like, aside from killing a bunch of people, he... They say that a lot about serial killers, is that, like, they just seem like normal people, maybe a little bit of a recluse, but otherwise very nice, you know, people. Well, getting ahead of myself, he actually went on some breaks, and where he wasn't killing people, and he was just raising his family, and he, uh, was a Cub Scout leader, he was, uh, so a creepy. church president, like, Oh all my kinds gosh. Of stuff. So, like I said, like, the guy next door. Got it. All right, so, as a teen... He said he would uh, hang and torture stray animals and also stated he had strange sexual fantasies that included bondage. And sometimes he would bind his own hands and legs and then uh, put bags over his head. Okay, so what's so strange about bondage? Jeez. You don't find bondage weird? I mean, yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I don't think it's... <laughs> by itself is fine. I have no problems with it. Look, y'all do whichever you want, man. <laughs> what makes but you happy makes you happy. BDSM is, is, I think, a very acceptable thing when it's two consenting adults. 
Yeah. But he liked the non-consenting kind. Oh, got it. Okay, so and then, see, I thought you were just being prejudiced against people with fetishes. <laughs> now you're getting into the real no, deal. No, if we have handcuffs, we can we can do some exploring <laughs> if you'd like. Oh. <laughs> All right, anyway, it cracks me up, too, because he put bags over his head, like, so kind of didn't like they teach the, you that in kindergarten? Don't put bags over your head. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I didn't think you had to teach people don't eat Tide Pods, but apparently, it's so true. And just as an aside, I think people like if you have to teach them things like that, maybe you should just eat the Tide Pod. Maybe we should just, you know, let you go. There is a point where just saying <laughs> it's not salvageable no, anymore. No, <laughs> Darwinism needs to come into play at yeah. some point. It's true. So yeah, no, but like um. You know, the erotic asphyxiation? Yes. So is that what he was trying to accomplish? He did, he did like, autoerotic uh, asphyxiation. He would... There are pictures... He actually took pictures of himself, and they're crazy. That's not weird. Um, I mean, two, people do take selfies all the time. But, <laughs> but he would have this, like, this, like, doll mask on, and he would have himself... There's pictures of him, like, with his hands behind his back tied to his legs, and he's hanging from a tree. So, like, he was into real weird shit. So, like, this is outside? Some of it was, yeah. Wow. Some of it was in homes. Um, some of it was in his victims' homes. Some of them he dressed up like his victims. Like, it, it's so bizarre. I really would love to get into, the, like, the mental methodology of all of that. Like, what was he getting out of that and why? Beats me. But then um, again, I think that's that's getting a little too close. So, he joined the Air Force after uh, he returned home. He started work as an electrician. He got married in 1971. He had two children, a boy and a girl. And actually, just FYI, if anyone wants to know, his daughter actually wrote a book about living with him. I have not read it. It's on my list of things I'd like to read mm. because I think it's fascinating. And, yeah. and one of the things that she said, like, in all the interviews is she never saw that side of him, that he was always normal. He taught her all her morals, which is kind of crazy yeah well if i if i relate it back to to my ex i mean my ex was a jekyll and hyde and i didn't see that you know the one side and i couldn't even after having discovered it i could not have even imagined the other side so and i think i think part of it sometimes is people want to turn a blind eye and you know little things that maybe should have been red tipped flags, you off, yeah Really didn't, because you saw Agreed. an innocent factor to it. Agreed. Um, Alright, so he was laid off in 1973, and I guess he was going through a rough time, and so that's when he committed his first murder. Uh, first murder, he was a little ambitious. He killed an entire family. Wow. Um, he killed the Otero family. He broke in. He killed the parents in front of two kids, two young kids. Wow. And uh, then he killed the kids. There were three additional children, but they survived because they were at school at the time. Hmm. But that means they came home and found their whole family dead. Yeah, that's which is terrible. Awful. Uh, 1973, um, he murdered a woman named Catherine Bright. She was bound with a cord and stabbed to death. Her brother was there. He got shot, but he actually survived. And I don't think he could ID uh, Dennis, but he um, said he had very uh, psychotic eyes. Hmm. So, 1974... An editor at the Wichita Eagle, which was a newspaper, received a call directing him to a mechanical engineering book at the Wichita Public Library. When he got there, he found a letter that was wedged inside the book, confessing to the Otero family murder, and giving the killer his nickname. He gave himself the nickname, BTK. Hmm. Which also stands for Born to Kill. 
Oh, which of I course. Liked. But fine torture kill. That was what he gave it. So besides his, like, not to break in here, but I'm going to break in here. So besides his obvious fetish issue, uh, things growing up, like, he had a pretty, I mean, like, he went to the military, he got a normal job, he had a family. Like, what do you think was going through his head that, like... I gotta tell you that I actually, I didn't include any of this in here because it would have made this so long, but um, there was an interview with a psychologist who communicated with him after he was arrested, and one of the things that she said was, he breaks the norm for serial killers because most serial killers have some traumatic right, something right. In, their, in their childhood, and he didn't. He was the oldest of four boys. He had a normal family life. Everything was good. Like, he does not fit the mold. Like, it just seems like even, again, foregoing the, the fetish stuff, it just seems like he had, he was a very normal person, and then all of a sudden he just decided to murder a family. And, like, what would make you turn, I mean, obviously the killing small animals and stuff like that is, is one of the precursors to a serial killer or whatever, but, um... And maybe he stopped that for a while, or maybe he just escalated that, that same behavior. Maybe that got too boring, animals got too boring, so maybe that's when it, But it's just, it kind of is very interesting that just, you just randomly go and start killing people. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a, uh, an answer on that, but, um, a lot, I mean, she is right. It was Catherine Ramsland who did this, uh, interview. And she's a pretty popular psychologist, not popular, but like famous or whatever. She's mm -hmm. done a lot with, with serial killers. Um, there is no real reason for him. And part of me wonders if because of his image, and I don't, I almost don't want to say this because I don't want to give BDSM a bad name, but I almost wonder if because of his image and his family, he felt he couldn't live out those Express. fantasies, those yeah. normal fantasies and took it to the extreme. Right. To get what he wanted. Right. So, so. And do you think the letter was two thoughts? The letter being, hey, I need to relieve myself of the guilt. Or two, I want people to know that it was me. Let me go a little further and we'll find out. Oh, sweet. <laughs> okay. So in, uh, let's see, 1977, a woman named Shirley Vianne Bien, I'm not sure, she was 24 years old. He barricaded her children in the bathroom and put a plastic bag over her head, wrapped a cord around her neck, hands, and feet, and killed her. Um, then there was Nancy Fox, who was 25. She was strangled in her home with stockings. And on that one, he called the police and gave them the address. Like, called him and was like, there's a homicide at this address. So, hmm. I guess he wanted her to be found right away. I wonder why. Um, 1978, he sent a letter to KAKETV, and he said... How many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? So he's doing it for attention. Yes. Got it. Um, and that becomes very critical later. So the police then did a press conference. I guess he got what he wanted. Yep. Then he took a break for a couple years. Uh, what, seven years? 1985, he killed 58-year-old uh, Marianne Hedge. She was taken from her home and found strangled to death eight days later. Hmm. Uh, September 1986, he killed Vicki Wegerly. Uh, she was murdered in her bed, and what sucks for her, for that whole thing, is that, um, her husband was actually the primary suspect. I'm not sure if he got arrested, Aww. but he had gone home and found her dead in the bed, and they had no other suspects. That's horrible. So, for years, he was the primary suspect. They never even, 
included that into the BTK killings until he was caught. Waited another five years. January 1991, Dolores Davis was strangled and her body was left near a bridge. uh, And that was the last known murder. Now, lots of questions. But, and we'll talk about them, but lots of questions. Um, a lot of serial killers do not take breaks in between, mm-hmm. like that. Not to that extent. Yeah. So why? What makes you just stop? You know, like, there's there's got to be a reason that he just stopped. Well, he had to raise his kids. And I did read something that said that was why, but I don't know. So. My question is, what did you tell your family you were doing while you were committing these murders? I don't know. Like, I'm going out to play pool be back some of these were in broad daylight like when he could have been at work or at the church or things like that um so it may have been and, and i did read that too that part of it they think why he had breaks in between was because he looked for the opportunity to do it and he had to have had a reason like a business trip or something where the family wouldn't be there or be able to check up on him got it phone ringing gotta hate it when your phone when your phone rings it's your family when you're murdering someone right fuck them people got it. All right, so January 2004, so now you're looking at 13 years later, mm-hmm. the Wichita Eagle, which was the newspaper he wrote to before, they ran a 30th anniversary piece on BTK. You know, like, it's been 30 years, we mm-hmm. can't find this guy, what's going on? Well, that was January. In March, they received an envelope from Bill Thomas Kilman, hmm. BTK. Got it. Okay. With the driver's license of Vicki Weggerly. Mm. So now they suddenly know that Vicki... Is part of the of the, the, of the victims killers, um, and the letter the letter in it was signed BTK. He continues to leave messages in various public locations just so people would find them, and a man found a garbage bag containing Nancy Fox's driver's license and a Barbie doll with a hood over its head and its arms tied behind its back. Now, one thing he was doing was uh, leaving cereal boxes, and they think it was a play on serial killers. Yeah. So he was leaving cereal boxes in different places, and a lot of them would have messages or drawings or things. Mm-hmm. But if you walked outside and you found a cereal box in your truck, would you really... You'd pick it up and throw it out. You wouldn't really think much of it. you just if think some kid... in my truck... Like in the in the bed of your truck that's open. Yeah. I would just think some kid just... Yeah. Put some, some asshole trash. just did that. Yeah. So in January 2005, a postcard got mailed to KAKETV with another doll... Um, and a cereal box with the description of his first kills. And the postcard that they got also mentioned, did anyone see the package at Home Depot? Well, nobody knew what the fuck he was talking about. Mm. So they go to Home Depot and they're like, okay, like, has anybody seen anything weird? Whatever. Just any Home Depot? I think it was like the Wichita Home Depot. Um, and they found out that an employee had a cereal box that was thrown in the bed of his truck and he threw it out because he didn't think much of it. So Mm -hmm. they went through, found his trash. Um, and saw that it was a message from BTK. Now, on this box, he had asked, could he communicate via floppy disk without being traced? And if so, he (laughs) wanted the police to run a newspaper ad that said, Rex, it will be okay. I don't know why. Um, so, I guess, who's gonna say, like, Rex isn't a common thing, or, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just wondering what the message. So, they ran the ad, and he sent a disk by mail. Floppy disks have metadata mm-hmm. that captures so much information that you don't realize. So one of the things that it captured was it was used by Dennis at Christ Lutheran Church and Park City Library. Wow. So they did an internet search. 
Christ Lutheran Church, Dennis, and found out Dennis Rader was the president of the church. Wow. Boop, two and two together. That was a hard one. Yeah. So he uh, originally, I think he pled not guilty, but then he decided to change it and pled guilty to 10 counts of first degree murder. He is serving 10 consecutive life terms, uh, which means a minimum of 175 years without the possibility of parole. I can't imagine what his family went through after they've been... Like, are his kids... Do they even have a possibility of normality at that point they after that? They adults by that time. But still, you're still his children. And I'm sure you're getting... You're just getting flooded with every news organization, reporter, everything. Like, what's the possibility? And people are going to be watching you for the rest of your life because you're this murder serial killer's children. Like, I can't... It, you know, you want to do your thing. You know, you're taking everybody else with you. Like I said, that's fucked up. It, it is, and it sucks. And it sucks that, like, well, not sucks. That's a good thing. But the only reason he really got caught was his own ego. He wanted exactly. to get noticed. If he hadn't, in, like, tried to do that, mm-hmm. he probably would have never got caught. Right. Now, the other thing I didn't write in here, but um, one of the ways they confirmed it, too, was that they found out his daughter actually had mm-hmm. just been to the GYN. Mm-hmm. And she had just gotten a pap smear. So they took that. And did a DNA test. That's how they found out. Where did, where did they compare? Oh, to the floppy disk? To Well, no. To what, DNA they found at the crime scene. Got it. So they did Because they had he'd unknown. never had, he had never been a criminal. Got it. So they didn't have any reason to have his DNA. Got it. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? So in a way I feel kind of bad for the daughter because it's almost ex- like. Ex- it's partly her fault. But it's not. But it's I mean, not. Yeah. No, of course not. I mean, he did, he did the crime. He does the time. But, you well, know. And that's why as... I say I would love to read her book. Mm-hmm. Um. I find that kind of thing interesting, especially when you have that dynamic of the Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. And you just, you don't see it. And then when you look in hindsight, maybe you see it. But, um... But, I mean, like I said, speaking from my own experience, like, I couldn't have even imagined. Like, yeah, there were a couple of red flags that I probably let go, but not to indicate the extent of what was going on behind my back. Well, here's the thing, too, and this is kind of, this is kind of funny and maybe relatable for you. His wife divorced him immediately after this. I mean, like... Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, they gave her an immediate divorce, and she has not spoken to him since. But one of the things that she said was, BTK had really bad spelling. That was, like, one of the noticeable things you could tell when it was him, because certain words were just spelled in a very specific way, and don't ask me what, because I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But they would print the letters in the paper, and his wife had joked with him one day that his spelling was as bad as BTK's. Wow. So in hindsight... Yeah. You know, but at the time, like, I, I mess with my husband with stuff like that, where yeah. I'm like, haha, look, you could be that guy. Yeah, exactly. It's all joking. Yeah, I would never think it, but... Exactly. This poor woman. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Oh no, I can't either. I can't either, because she spent her life with this man and didn't and, know anything about it. Like, and, and, and no offense, but how do you, you had children with this man. Now this person is half of your children. Like... I don't know about you, but I would be constantly in fear for my children. I mean, like, the whole nature versus nurture. I mean, I have some experience with with that in, in my family where, you know, people were taken away from their biological parents and raised with other parents. And I can tell you 100% that the nature comes into effect, whether you like it or not. Like no matter what, how odd and how different the upbringing was from what they would have experienced with the biological parents, nature, nature found its way through. 
So it, it just kind of makes, I can't, again, I can't even imagine being a mother to, to, to those Well, guys. and I think at that point, like, because they were adults, if there was anything to worry about, you would have started to see it already. But I, I get but your point, him, but I don't know. Like, look at him. True. Nobody saw that. It's true. It's true. So, who knows? All right. So, that was number five? Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening. We have a new Facebook page called Crime Bitches Countdown. Bitches is spelled with the number one because, you know, you can't say bitches on Facebook. So it's spelled B number one T-C-H-E-S. We appreciate any comments or feedback you have for us. Leave us a message. We'll get back to you. Um, we also have an email address, crimebitchescountdown at gmail.com. Bitches spell the same way with the, the number one instead of an I. Um, like I said, we appreciate any feedback. Um, we'd love to hear what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so please feel free to message us. We'll go back to you.